Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 8 and 9, just picking up where we left off last week at our all-church service. Verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Father in heaven, we ask you to guard our minds. We ask you, Father, to give us a relentless diligence to stop sinful thoughts and to turn our mind to the things of Christ and to the spiritual realities and to that which is profitable for us and for your glory and for others. We ask you, God, to keep us from, from sin. And Lord, we know that that begins in the mind. And so, Lord, I ask you to, uh, to speak to us by your spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin by uh, kind of a whirlwind of scriptures. And so if you have your Bibles ready, get ready and get your, get your fingers warmed up. You might want to do some finger exercises because we're going to do a bunch of scriptures in a row here. And what I want to do uh, before we get into kind of the meat of the message is give you a theology of the mind. Okay, I want to show you that the Bible is very clear that what you think about is right smack dab in the middle of your relationship to Jesus Christ. Okay, your growth in Christ, your... Uh, you're becoming like Jesus Christ. Your mind is incredibly important in that whole process, okay? So where we're going to start is the fact that we are sinners, okay? We're born that way. And what it means to be born a sinner is that you are, bo- you are born separated from God, right? We come into this world separated from God. Now, remember who God is, okay? God's a lot of things. He has many names. But a couple of them are God is truth, right? Jesus is truth. God is wisdom, right? The book of Proverbs says that over and over again that Jesus, that God is wisdom. God, God is knowledge, okay? So you have a God who is truth, wisdom, and knowledge, and you have a people who are separated from God by their sin. Now, now the implication of that or the results of that is that we are damaged in the way that we think, okay? We are injured, we are handicapped in our mind without because of our separation from God uh, by sin, okay? You might even say that we're a little bit brain damaged, okay? If you, if you, if you want to go there, I think that's appropriate to say, not in a physical way, not in the sense that our, 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 our muscle of our mind does not work proper, appropriately, but in a spiritual way, because of sin, we do not see things as they are. We do not see things as, 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 they, as, as, uh, as the reality that is laid out by God in the scriptures. Now, let me prove that to you because I don't want you just to take my word for it. I want you to see it in the scriptures. If we turn to Romans chapter 1, we have a great passage on the nature of sin. And let me read you two verses in that passage. Verse 21, talking about those who, 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 who are not Christians, but who, who know of God, who know about God. It says, for although they knew God, so they know about God, they've heard the gospel, they've heard about God. They, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. Okay, there's the result of, of rejecting God, of rejecting his truth, of rejecting the gospel. You become futile in your thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. If we go down further in the same passage to verse 28, he says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God. So as you progress in your lost state, as a, as a lost person progresses in not knowing God, as they continue to live their life, says God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Are you, are you seeing what the scriptures are telling us there is that 
your mind is, is, is crippled because of sin. And as you continue to live without God, your thinking becomes increasingly dark. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Bible talks about this again. Verse 14 says, The natural person, and by natural means without Jesus, the way you're born, the way you come into this world as sinners, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they're following him, and he's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. And then, then you go down to verse 16, For who has understood the mind of the Lord, so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ, okay? So without Christ, you're not able to understand spiritual truth. With Christ, you have the mind of Christ, and God begins to open your eyes to see things as they are. One of the best passages in the Bible is in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about um, um, those, those who are without Jesus, including me, before my salvation. Verse 17, it says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. Now, what causes all of this? Again, it's sin. It's brokenness. It's the damage that sin takes on our bodies. But it is also the attack of the evil one against us because 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says... Um, in this case, the God of this world, not the God, but rather Satan, has blinded what? He's blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who's the image of God. Okay, so real quickly there, we just looked at several passages of scriptures, the passage of scripture that, that tell us very definitively that because of our separation from God as sinners, our minds don't work as they ought to work. Our, we don't think as we ought to think. We don't see things clearly. We don't process things clearly. We don't value things clearly. We, we don't think as we ought to think because of sin in our life. Now, when a person becomes a Christian... Okay, when they become a Christian, remember what happens when you become a Christian? You repent of your sin, put your faith in Christ, and you're actually joined to Jesus. That was the image of baptism you just saw a minute ago. Okay, Susan was saying, the old me is dead and buried. The new me is raised up with Christ. I've been joined to Jesus. I am connected to Christ now. His life is my life. Now, part of that is your mind begins to change. Okay, your mind begins to change. You begin to see things in, 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 as you ought to see them. Okay, let me give you some scripture to back that up. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh, that's the old life, okay? Set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Let's go to another verse in Romans, Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world. Don't be like the rest of the world. Don't, don't, don't be conformed into its image, but be transformed. How does that happen, my friends? How are you transformed? Notice the next phrase. By the renewal of your mind. Okay? By the renewal of your mind. Let's go into Ephesians. Into that kind of that same passage we were there before. In Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 22, it talks about the Christian life. And it says in verse 22, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Okay, so in my Christian life, one of the things I'm doing is I'm putting off the old me. My old habits, my old mindset, my old, the way I talked, the way I related. I'm putting that off, okay? Now notice verse 24, I'm going to skip a verse. Verse 24 says, put on the new self 
created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So there you have the Christian life, okay? In my Christian life, I am ever trying to put off me and put on Jesus. I'm, I'm trying to become less like me and more like Jesus. How does that happen? Notice the verse right in the middle of this. Verse 23, okay? It's a little verse tucked in the middle of put off your old self, put on your new self. And verse 23 says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, Okay? Over and over again, it is telling us your mind is critical. It is crucial to you growing in Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says, Set your mind on things that are above, not on things of the earth. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action and be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. My friends, what you think about is incredibly important to your Christian life. You can't become like Jesus unless you change the way that you think. You change the way that you relate. You change the way that, 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 you, that you think about Jesus, about yourself, about the world. You ever thought about this? You think more than you do anything else, right? I mean, you think more than you talk, hopefully, prayerfully, right? You think more than you, than you relate. You think more than you act. You think more than you, than you work. You th- I mean, the fact is you're always thinking, right? Ralph Waldo Emerson, I've loved this quote for 20 years. I wrote it in the back of my Bible probably 20 years ago. He says, a man is what he thinks about all day long. But here's the reality. While we all think all day long, I, I am not very convinced that we are very intentional about what we think about. Correct? I mean, because here's the reality. There's times where our mind is just captivated randomly by what comes into it in our head, Right? And so there's a whole lot of times where our thinking, while we're thinking all day long, it kind of looks something like this, okay? If you could listen in on, on people's thoughts, you know what you would hear sometimes? You'd hear something like this. What time is it? How much longer will this last? My knee hurts. That's an ugly shirt. Everyone here is prettier than me. That guy's such a jerk. I'm hungry. I was standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona. The yard needs me mowed. I'm tired of mowing. Why was that song in my head, right? I mean, that's literally what a lot of people's minds sound like, okay? And I mean, it's just this constant barrage of of just random thoughts, okay? And sometimes they're not such random. Sometimes they are satanic thoughts, correct? I mean, the the Bible just told us in Corinthians 4, 4 that that, that the devil has blinded our minds, okay? If we we go into 2 Corinthians 11, 3, uh, Paul says... He says, but I'm afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And, and so we have random thoughts. We have demonic thoughts. We have, we have, sometimes we have cultural thoughts. You know what I'm amazed of? I am amazed that there are a lot of people who hold a social position. You know, they hold a position on abortion or on homosexuality or on politics or on gun control, whatever. And you know why they hold that social position? They hold that social position because they have breathed in the air around them. They've never actually thought about it. I mean, really, I've talked to people. I said, why do you believe that? Some people are just completely struck. It's like, why do I believe that? I I was, this is kind of funny. I was, um, I was talking to a group of kids the other day and I asked them some kind of question and their answer was something to the effect of recycle and protect the earth, you know, which I'm all for that. That's, that, that's great, 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 great. You know, but what struck me was I would have never said that as a 10 year old boy. You know, if you just showed me an aluminum can, an empty aluminum can and said, what do you do with this? When I was 10, you know what I said? 
you shoot it. You know, I mean, that's what we did with it. And they're afraid you shoot them. I mean, man, we, yeah, we saved our kids to shoot, man. My brother and I spent a long, you know, hours and hours at the dump. Ping, ping, ping. You know, I mean, that's, that's what I would have said. We ask a kid now and he's going to say, well, you recycle it. Why, did, why? And that's a good thing. I mean, that's all fine. But you know why they say that? Because it's the air they breathe. It's in the cartoons. It's in the school curriculum. It's in everything. And there are a lot of times where, where what goes through your head is not even a thought out thing. It's just from the culture. It's from Satan. It's, it's random. But listen to what Paul is saying here. Please, you have the capacity to move your mind off of one thing and onto another. Okay? Stop, stop just thinking that you have no control of your mind. That is not true. God has given you the capacity to shift your mind from one thing and to move it to another. Now, granted, some people do that better than others. Some people are stronger in that than others. Just like some people are stronger physically, some people are stronger in, in, in mentally and in, in, in the capacity to hold their mind onto something hard and to think through it and to think on it, okay? There's probably a scale in, in that. Some people over here, some people over here. First grade boys are always over here, okay? I don't know if you know, have you spent much time with a first grade boy? When they are being active, in other words, when they're kind of running around and they're, when they're with each other, they have a 1.3 second attention span. I was, I was with them in rec the other day and I, these guys, are, I'm trying to tell them what the game's going to be so we can get started playing. And they're just like, squirrel, 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 you know. And they're just all over. And I thought, I'm going to teach these guys a lesson, you know. I said, I'm going to stand right here. And I'm not going to say a word. We're not going to start the game until, until they settle down and listen. After 10 minutes, I realized this is a bad plan. They did not even, they didn't realize I had stopped talking. I mean, they hadn't. They, 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 I mean, they're, they're just buzzing, you know, they're, they're, you know, and, and I thought, man, that's, and I remember being that I was a first grade boy, ladies, we do grow out of it somewhat. Okay. Somewhat, not completely ever, but you know, somewhat we still, we try to grow out of that. But, but listen, everybody has the capacity to move their minds, to move them from one thing to another. So What is Paul telling us here? Notice he gives us a grid, okay? He gives us a framework. He gives us a filter in which we can shift our mind. We can move it from one thing to another, okay? And notice what he says to move it to. Verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true. Let's stop right there. If you just get that one, that's going to help you a bunch, okay? Whatever's true. Did, did you know that the Bible says this? It says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And it says the devil is a liar and the father of lies, okay? And, and all he does is lie. He's a, he's a deceitful being, okay? Everything he does is lies, all right? He's, he's a liar and the father of lies. And so what we realize is that the battle for our minds is to some degree the battle for truth. Have you ever asked yourself, why do you think about something? And, and do you think about it because it's true or do you think about it because you're being emotional? Do you think about it because you're being angry? Do you think about it because you're enamored, because you're fearful? Why do you think about what you think about? And, and, and what the Bible says, what Paul is saying here, is that you need to run everything through your truth filter, okay? You need to run everything through your truth filter and ask yourself, is this true, okay? This is going to make sense in a million different ways. Have you ever had a pity party with yourself? You know, you had a whole day where it was just poor me. Have you ever, you ever done that? You know, hey, you know what? Is that ever true? We looked at this three weeks ago when we said rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. We looked at our bucket. We filled it full of the riches of Christ. And what we came to realize is there's never a day from your conversion to the end of your existence in which it's all bad for you. Correct? Is that right? That's right. 
That's right. There's never a day in which it is all bad. Have you ever played the victim card? You know, everybody's against me. Is that ever really true? Is it ever really true that everybody is against you? I mean, there are so many things that we let get lodged in our mind that are simply not true. Have a truth filter. Whatever's true. Whatever's honorable. We're going to breeze through these and then we're going to summarize and then we're going to give some points. Whatever's honorable, worthy of respect, whatever's just, whatever conforms to God's standard, whatever's pure, whatever is pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable. Okay, let me summarize all eight of those real quick. Okay, so you got true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, anything worthy of praise. That's what you are to rest your mind upon. I can summarize those eight things in one word and that word is Jesus. Okay, that word is Jesus. Paul is telling us, shift your mind to the things of God. Shift your mind to Jesus. He is true. He is honorable. I cannot imagine anything in the world more worthy of respect than Jesus. I can't imagine anything more pure than Jesus, more lovely than Jesus, more commendable, more worthy of praise. Think upon Christ. Think upon the spiritual realities of the scripture. My friends, this is the Christian life. If you don't do this well, you're not going to do the Christian life well. Let me give you an example of that. If you'd open your Bibles to Romans 6, okay? Turn to Romans 6. Romans 6 is one of the greatest passages in the scriptures about the Christian life, about becoming like Jesus, okay? And what you have in Romans 6, okay, you have, you have these incredible truths, okay? Verse 3, do you not know that all of us who've been baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried with him. We were raised with him. We walk in newness of life. Just the picture we just saw a minute ago, joined to Jesus. Verse 5 talks about how we're united in a death like his and in a resurrection like his. And verse 7 or verse 6, our old self's crucified. Our new self is freed. We're no longer enslaved to sin. He gives us all of these incredible realities. And then in verse 11, okay, slow down here. Verse 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. He's... What part of your body controls consider? It's your mind. Isn't that what he's telling us to do? He's telling us to consider something. Okay, consider, consider, consider. That, that's a, verse 11 is a key application verse in chapter 6. And so what he's telling me to do is that I'm actually to move my mind to the fact that I am, I am, I'm in, I'm in union with Jesus and the old me is dead and the new me is raised up and I've got resurrection ahead of me and I've been freed from sin and the Holy Spirit lives in me and I don't have to live in sin. And I'm to consider that, consider it, consider, push my mind to it often when I think about who I am and how I live, I'm to consider myself dead to sin, and alive to God. You, you see, we got to change the way we think. You, you've got to move your mind in the right direction. Now, let me give you a couple reasons why this is so incredibly important, okay? The first reason is, is that our thoughts are powerful and that they are willful and we are responsible before God for our thoughts, okay? Now, let me, let me, let me try to define that a little bit, okay? We're not responsible for every thought that hits your head, Okay? I mean, would you not agree? Have you ever had some bizarre thoughts? I mean, just like where in the world did that come from? Why was I thinking about that? Okay, those come in, they go out. I don't think you're responsible for those. What you are responsible for is when you realize what you're thinking about and you run it through the truth filter and you run it through what should I be thinking about. From that point on, you're responsible before God, okay? You're making a willful decision either to love Jesus or to disobey Jesus, okay? Does that make sense? 
This morning, I was sitting right there where Bonnie Castor was sitting in the 830 service, and we were singing a great hymn, okay? It was that one that says, uh, uh, Jesus conquered the grave, Savior, he can move the mountain. Okay, uh, that's a little concert for you right there, okay? We were singing that song. I was singing. My friends, my kids were on either side of me, and I was verbally singing those words. And all of a sudden, I realized... I was singing them, but I had a conversation going through my head that I'm going to have to have later in this week. I got a difficult situation I got to deal with later in the week. And and I was working that deal out in my head. I was actually going through that conversation in my head while I was singing. The mind is actually a pretty amazing thing when you think about it, okay? Now, I I don't think I was responsible. I mean, I'm supposed to be worshiping, right? And I don't think I'm responsible until I realized it. And when I realized that I'm saying one thing with my mouth, but my mind is somewhere else, you know, you know what I did? I pushed my mind back to Jesus. And I remember the phrase I did it on. Jesus conquered the grave. Jesus conquered. And I just remember this flood of joy coming into me saying, he's alive. You know, he's resurrected. I don't have to think about that yet. That ain't happened yet. That's tomorrow. That may never happen. You know, I may die. Christ may come back. I may not have to have that conversation, right? Right now, Jesus conquered the grave, okay? Then I'm accountable, all right? So you're going to have lots of things come in your head, okay? You're... What you're responsible for is what do you do with them when you realize what your mind is on? And you run it through the truth filter. And you realize that's not really what I need to be thinking about right now. Then you're responsible. Let me show you this. Matthew chapter 5. It's one of the most famous passages in the Bible um, concerning sins of thought. Matthew five twenty seven says this. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. What is that saying? That is saying that God holds you accountable. There is sin that has been committed. No, no, let's, 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 let's be careful. Is it a sin to recognize somebody as an attractive person? It is not. It is not. I don't know how we would not do that, right? It, 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 it's not a sin to, to, to have this thought, wow, that's an attractive person. And wow, they have pretty eyes. Wow, they, okay, that's not a sin, okay? Now, what I do with that, though, what, okay, that's, that thought comes in, okay? What do I do with it? What do I do with it, okay? Now, if I choose to dwell upon it, if I grab hold of that with my mind, and I consciously begin to ponder that, I consciously begin to consider that, I consciously begin to think about, you know, what I might do with that and where that might go, and wow, what would it be like to have a relationship with that person? Wow, what would it be like to be married to that person? Wow, what would, it, what would this be like? How could that ever happen? You know, okay, now, now you know what I'm doing with my mind? I am using my mind to go away from Jesus. That's sin. God says that's sin. God says that's adultery. He's, he's looking at your heart. He's looking at the inclination of your mind. He's looking, at, he's looking at where you're going with your thoughts. Jesus says the same thing about murder, okay? Verse 22 says, I say to you that everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. You notice that in the very first sentence there, it's, an action hasn't been committed yet. It's simply what's going on in the heart. It's what's going on in the mind. Friends, we're responsible for our mindset. The psalmist very wisely, Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Listen to this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. What, what's, what's this guy praying? What is the psalmist praying? He's saying, God, I want you to look at my thoughts. I want you to show me if there's something there that, that needs not be there. If there's something I need to repent of. God, is there something there that I need to turn away from? 
He, the psalmist is actually praying, God, look at my thoughts because he realizes that his thoughts are the beginning of sin. Okay? So point number two on, on this section. Okay? So first of all, our thoughts are powerful and that they're willful. God holds us responsible for them. Second of all, our thoughts are powerful and that they shape our affections. Hey, do you love anything that you haven't thought a bunch about? I don't believe you do. I don't, I don't believe it's possible to love something. I don't believe it's possible to be impressed with something. I don't think it's possible to be uh, enamored with something that you haven't thought about, that you haven't in your mind thought about the characteristics and thought about the, you know, I was talking to my dad this morning and he, uh, he was telling me, uh, uh, you know, he, he's about, what is he, about 60 or so. And it's funny because when he was in high school, all of his buddies had muscle cars, you know. And then they all kind of traded those in for trucks and minivans and Suburbans, you know. And, and now that he's like in his 60s, they're all getting muscle cars again, you know. And, you know, he's telling me about what his buddies had bought, you know, and stuff. And, and, and you, 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 know, you know what happens when you get enamored with that? I, I, know, I can picture what happened with these guys. They started looking on the Internet, you know. What's that new Mustang like, you know. What colors does it come in? What are you doing? you fixed your mind on something, right? How much horsepower does it have? And then all of a sudden, you begin to imagine. And you're imagining yourself with your bride in the Mustang going down the road. Hair, no, not these guys. Uh, cap on, you know, convertible top back. And, and, and what are you doing? You are developing affections for that thing. How are you going to love Jesus if you don't think about him? Can you do that, Christian? Can you do it? Can you do it? Can, can, can you just come here and sit down and there's something in the chair that kind of radiates up through you, you know, and produces some love for Jesus? Is that how it works? It doesn't work that way. You've got to move your mind. You've got to shift your mind. You've got to say, there's, there's something glorious here. There's something glorious. And I'm going to move my mind to something better. Ephesians 4.22 tells us that we, we are tempted to sin by deceitful desires. Okay. Desires for the wrong things. Now listen, how, how, how are you going to get away from that? How are you going to defeat that? Are you going to defeat the desire for revenge, the desire for lust, the desire for... How are you going to defeat that? Let me tell you how you're not going to defeat it. You're not going to defeat, defeat it by saying, I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to... Th- no, I'm not going to dream about it. I'm not going to think about it. No, I'm not... It's not going to work, is it? You're not going to eat anywhere. You're just, you're just battling all day. But you know what you can do? You can't take your mind. You can't. God's given you this capacity. You can move it to something better. John Piper, I remember, the, I remember the time I heard him say this. He said, move your mind to a superior pleasure. That was one of the most incredible, most helpful things I've ever seen. He was talking about lust. And he said, move your mind to a superior pleasure. What, what's superior? What's superior to lust and revenge and pride and, and position and self-pity? What's superior to that? Jesus every day of the week is better than that, okay? He's better. What he gives is better. His ability to satisfy me is better, okay? His ability to fulfill me and give me joy is better, it's better, it's better. So get your mind off the trash and onto the treasure, right? Move your mind. You've got the capacity to do that. Number three, our thoughts are powerful in that they create momentum and direction. Okay, now let's talk about the first thing first. They create direction, okay? When your mind moves in a certain direction, when, when you begin to grab onto something with your mind, it moves you in that direction. You begin to face that direction, okay? So let's say, you, uh, say you've been hurt. Somebody hurt you, okay? When you begin to dwell on that, 
when you begin to run your mind over and over and over on that, what, what's happening? You're, you're moving. You're moving in a certain direction, right? You're going in a certain direction. Now, here's the thing I want you to hear, okay? Hear this out. Hear this out. The longer you dwell on it, the more momentum you'll get, okay? I was talking to a friend of mine, Tyson Miller, and he said, you know, it's kind of like a freight train. When a, when a freight train starts out, it goes really slow, right? When it picks up to 60 miles an hour, how long is it going to take to stop that? We, we did this. Remember, Dan? This was, this was the precursor to Daniel's knee injury. But in Man Up, we, uh, we held, uh, had two guys hold one of our white tables up flat like this. So it made a wall. And then we put a piece of tape six inches from it. And then we had Daniel. We had him get back in the hall and we had him get off on a dead sprint. All right. And we told him, you got to stop at the tape line. Okay. Now, he tried his best. He did. He planted both feet in the carpet. He stopped. If I remember right, his feet came out from under him. Okay. He hit his, his backside and he plowed right through the table. Okay. Guys couldn't hold it. Now, we were talking about lust, actually, is what we were talking about. But it applies to anything. When you get your mind on the wrong thing and you keep it there, you create momentum. And it's going to be very difficult to stop. I bet, I bet if you're married, you've had this experience. Have you ever had this experience? Like you were saying goodbye to your spouse, and as you were leaving, your spouse just made a comment that could be taken either way. They said something like, uh, oh, the dishes didn't get done again. Okay. Now, you could run that through your truth filter. Okay. You run through your truth filter and you say, okay. Do I really need to think about that? That maybe wasn't kind. Maybe that was my job. But you know what? My spouse is a good person. I love them. I, I, I want to be, I want to nurture a good relationship with them. I need to give them the benefit of the doubt. I need to, okay, that's all spiritual stuff, right? But let's say you don't go that direction. Let's say you go to the direction of you get in your car and you're like, how dare they talk about the dishes? You know what? Let's just make a list. I do this and 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 they do Three things, three stinking things, and I do all of that. And you know what? They knew I had to go out in a meeting last night. And in fact, I was doing that meeting so they didn't have to go. And now they're going to tell me about the dishes. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of it. And you know, you know what a lot of people do? About midway through the day, because they're Christians, they'll be like, you know what? I just need to let this go. I'm not going to say anything to them. That'll just cause a fight. I'm not going to say anything. But you know what they do? They keep their mind there. And they keep dwelling on it. And all the while, they're saying, I'm not going to say You're going to say something. You know why? Because you're going 65 miles an hour, and as soon as you get home, and the first thing that sets you off, there you go. You're sinning, okay? You know why? Because you can't stop, because you've been foolish, and you've thought about sinful things all day long. Be careful. Be careful. Momentum. Momentum can, can cause a lot of damage. I want to give you a couple of practical things and we're going to wrap up chapter four, kind of tie it all together. Let me give you just three practical things. Number one, immerse your mind in God's truth. I know you knew it and I know you expect it, but listen, I mean, for real, you have got to shape your mind through the word of God. This, this is truth. Okay. This is truth. This is what it is. It's truth. And, and, and you got you got to focus your mind on it. You got to memorize it. You got to get up every day. You need to have verses that you memorize that you say every day. Just why? To to bring your mind back. You got to bring it back. You got to you got to get it on the right things. You got to dwell on the right things. 
So, so you got to get up and you got Psalm 63. Your steadfast love is better than life, so my lips will praise you. Psalm 118.24, this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. You, you, whatever it is, you got, you got to say, you got, you got to grab on to truth and you got, you got to shape your mind by God's truth. Your mind's going to be shaped by something, right? It's going to be shaped by your emotions. It's going to be shaped by your culture. It's going to be shaped by demonic thoughts, random thoughts, TV. Something's going to shape it. Make it the word of God. You cannot afford not to be a person of the word of God. Number two, label the lies. This may be completely ridiculous. I don't know. It works for me. So I'm going to give it to you. I, I go ahead and say out loud that is a lie. Whenever something, whenever a, a truth that I know should not be in my head continues to bug me, I just, I, I'll, I'll just call it out. I, I label it. That's a lie. That's a lie. Now, I'm not inappropriate about it. I don't, you know, I'm sitting in the wedding and, you know, do you take that? I don't say, that's a lie, you know. You know not you. I'm just talking to myself, you know. Uh, you know, I'm not dumb about it. But, you know, if, if, I, if I'm by myself in my, in, in my office and I'm just struggling with something, you know, you know, this thought keeps coming back that, you know what, you know, that you didn't deserve that and you ought to do this and you ought to do that. Man, I'll just say, whoa, 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 devil, that's a lie. That, that is a wrong thought. That is, that is an inappropriate thought. That's a lie. I'm, I'm, I'm getting away from that. Folks, what we got to realize is that everything that comes into our mind is not truth. Okay? You know what? You think things sometimes and they're not true. Okay? They're not good. Some of you have been through decades, right? Decades. I, I haven't been through a lot, but I, I was through the 80s. And, and here's what I know. You know, we came to school in the 80s dressed in our parachute pants with our pants rolled up in a, you know, halfway below our knees and we had our mullets flowing in the wind. And you know what we thought? We look awesome. And then a decade later, you're like, don't show that picture of me, mom. You ever buy something and, and you know, you're looking at it in the store and you're like, I could really use this. This, you know, this is great. I, I need, I need to buy it, you know? And then you got home and you're like, why did I buy that? I mean, I don't think I got to prove that to you. Okay, th- those are innocent examples. But what I need you to understand is I have people all the time that are about to blow their life away. And with all sincerity of heart, they, they, they say things are just not true. And they, and they believe them, okay? You got to realize you have a brokenness about you. And that's why you got to run everything through a filter of truth. So number one, immerse your mind in God's truth. Number two, call out the lies. Call them out. Call them out. Don't, don't let your mind sit there. And number three, I hate to say it. You're not going to like it. Read good books. You didn't like it, did you? Read good books. I know you don't have time to read. You don't like to read. Gives you a headache. I know. But here's the truth. What you fill your mind with matters. Read good books. Discipline yourself to do that. Good ones. Not junk, not trash. Good books. Spiritual books. I want you to notice verse 9. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Isn't it interesting that Paul goes straight from the mind to practice? You know, straight from think on these things to practice these things. 
Isn't that interesting? And notice the peace sandwich, okay? Hey, I want peace. Do you want peace? I, I want to be at harmony. I want to be, I want, I want to be at harmony with the Lord, with others, with myself. I, I want to have that, that blessed contentment about me. If you'll notice, verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. And in verse 9, it says, Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I mean, Paul is putting a sandwich together, and he's saying, Look, you, you want peace? Here it is, okay? Now, now, let me just tie the first nine verses of chapter 4 together. Can we, can we review a month of sermons in a minute? Probably not, but we can do it in two minutes. All right, here we go. Verse 2. I entreat Euodian and, and Syntyche to agree in the Lord. You got two women. They're at odds with one another. They got a conflict. And Paul says, you got to agree in the Lord. You, because of your relationship, your connection to Jesus Christ, you got to agree. And let's say Euodian and Syntyche, they do it. They shake hands. We agree. I love you, sister. I love you too. It's over, right? Amen. And they go home. But they don't practice verse 8. What's going to happen when they get home? You know what's going to happen. You see how she shook your hand? Here's a thought that comes in, right? What was that little smirk about? She thinks it's funny, doesn't she? And there you go. It's over, right? Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Remember that three weeks ago? Remember your bucket? What do you got in your bucket? Let's say we work really hard and we put spiritual things in there. I'm forgiven. I'm justified. I'm sanctified. I'm all these spiritual things in your bucket. Awesome. Okay, but let's say you don't do verse 8. Okay, let's say you go home and you go to start your scooter. The whole electrical system's fried. Okay, what do you, what do, you do then? Be careful. If you don't practice verse 8, what do you do? Everything in my life breaks. You know, Lord, I'm trying to do what you want. And everything in my life breaks. It's all, nothing in everybody else's life breaks. But everything in my life breaks, right? You just dumped out your bucket. Anxiety. That was last week. If you're at the old church service, don't be anxious about anything. And everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God. Let's say you do that. Let's say you are prayerful. You know, you take your stuff to God with thanksgiving. And, and you hand it to him, trusting him to take care of it. But let's say you get home and you don't do verse 8. You, you don't guard your mind. What's going to happen? Those little what ifs are going to come in, right? What if this? What if this? You know, what about that? I bet that's going to happen. I bet you're, you're going to be stuck there. I, I, I bet this is going to happen. All of a sudden, your anxiety's back, right? You see, verse 8 is the completion of the peace sandwich, okay? You want peace? You want harmony? You want a sense of well-being? You got, you got to finish that by renewing your mind. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your grace that you poured out upon us. I thank you, Jesus, for your riches in Christ. Thank you for all the spiritual blessings that we have. Thank you, Father, for being so good to us. And Lord, I, I just ask you, Father, to God uh, to enable us to keep our minds focused on the things of God. Lord, enable us to, to call out the lies that bombard us. God, not to dwell upon things that will, will build up sinful momentum and we'll end up doing things that we regret, that hurt people, that hurt us, that dishonor you. God, I pray that you would renew our minds. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.